Welcome to the first take, First Word Pharma's weekly podcast highlighting the most important news stories in pharma and biotech. In this episode, we discuss AbbVie's deals in license and investigational gene therapy for age-related macular degeneration from Regenex Bio, an increasing focus on mRNA vaccines and therapeutics among Chinese biotech companies, and why a new academic study may pose further challenges for Biogen's Aduhelm. Please subscribe, like, and share. And most importantly, thanks for listening. Abvi announced this week that it will co-develop Regenex Bio's investigational gene therapy RGX314 for various chronic retinal diseases, including wet age-related macular degeneration, as part of a deal potentially worth $1.7 billion. It will make an initial upfront payment of $370 million. Abvi has had a presence in the eye care market since completing the $63 billion acquisition of Allergan last year. It has also been proactive in rejigging its eye care pipeline and last month returned full development rights for a long-acting VEGF inhibitor to former partner molecular partners some 14 months after the FDA rejected approval for the treatment of neovascular AMD. Furthermore, and perhaps with some significance in the context of this week's announcement, AbbVie last year also abandoned another alliance previously signed by Allergan, in this case with Editas Medicine, focused on early-stage development of gene-editing medicines for various eye diseases. By comparison, AbbVie clearly views RxG314 as a more compelling, not to mention significantly more advanced opportunity in this field, which comes despite the FDA's recently sharpened focus on potential safety issues associated with AAV-based gene therapies. RxG314 consists of the NAV-AAV8 vector, which encodes an antibody fragment designed to inhibit VEGF and is being developed as a potential one-time therapy for wet AMD. It is currently being evaluated in a pivotal trial utilising subretinal delivery and in two separate phase two studies utilising suprachoroidal delivery. Interim phase two suprachoroidal delivery data are due to be presented at the Retina Society annual scientific meeting, which takes place at the end of the month. In a recent note to investors, analysts at Shardan suggested that demonstration of efficacy by this means of dosing, without eliciting greater inflammation, as has been seen with intravitreal gene therapy, will help to counter scepticism that subretinal delivery, which would require a surgical procedure, will handicap the commercial opportunity for RxG314. By comparison, suprachoroidal delivery of the gene therapy is designed to be a less invasive procedure which takes place in a doctor's office. Speaking on a conference call to discuss the deal, Regenex Bio CEO Ken Mills would neither confirm or deny AbbVie has already seen these data, but said the company had undertaken extensive due diligence as would be expected for a deal of this type and size. One-time gene therapy offers an opportunity to improve on standard of care anti-VEGF therapies which require frequent injections, not often sustainable over long periods of time, and which ultimately leads to vision loss, noted Mills. The opportunity to administer such a therapy without surgical procedure 
could allow its therapeutic potential to be maximised, as will AbbVie's extensive commercial infrastructure in the eye care market, not to mention its global sales and marketing capabilities, he added. As such, the deal shapes what could be a unique opportunity to deliver a very innovative medicine to many patients, said Mills. Asked about AbbVie's lack of manufacturing experience in the gene therapy field, Mills said the partnership would continue to lean on Regenex Bio's existing long-term relationship with Fujifilm during the development phase. Whilst there are a number of other anti-VEGF gene therapies in development, these are currently in phase one testing. They include Adverum Biotechnologies ADVM022, which was the subject of toxicity concerns earlier this year when a patient receiving the therapy for diabetic macular edema experienced a serious adverse reaction characterised by decreased ocular pressure, inflammation and loss of vision. It should be noted that similar issues have not been associated with RxG314 and AbbVie has made a relatively small upfront investment for a product already in pivotal stage testing. That said, the late stage pipeline for AMD therapies is heavily populated by non-gene therapy products designed to reduce the frequency or to eliminate injections altogether, including Roche's port delivery system, which could be approved by the FDA before the end of 2021. Asked about the competitive threat of other potential novel therapies, a Regenex Bio spokesperson told Firstword that their phase 1-2 data with subretinal delivery has shown stable to improved vision in patients in the highest dose cohorts, with meaningful reductions in anti-VEGF injections, allowing some patients to go two to three years without anti-VEGF injections whatsoever. Shanghai-based Everest Medicines said this week it will pay $50 million up front to in-license rights to Providence Therapeutics mRNA COVID-19 vaccine candidates in Greater China, Southeast Asia and Pakistan. It also entered a separate collaboration with the Canadian Biotech to develop two additional mRNA products for undisclosed therapeutic areas. Virginia, what is Everest getting with these two deals it's announced with Providence? Sure. So in the first deal, Everest is getting a phase two candidate as well as preclinical mRNA vaccine programs for COVID. And while detailed data haven't been reported yet for the phase two program, the company has said that they're seeing neutralization titers that are comparable to those seen with the mRNA vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna. And this is interesting because so far, China has been relying largely on inactivated vaccines from Sinopharm and Sinovac and some other older vaccine technologies to vaccinate its population against COVID. But the tide seems to be turning a bit as a handful of domestic companies, including Sinopharm, continue to push ahead with mRNA vaccines for COVID. Um, another big one is Fosun Pharma, which has partnered with BioNTech for their mRNA vaccine in China, and that is currently under review. So Everest hasn't said yet what therapeutic areas they're going to pursue with their non-COVID programs under the second deal, but their pipeline does cover cancer and infectious diseases, as well as autoimmune disorder and cardiorenal diseases. And we'll start to get more details on those programs as they progress. And what's the significance of the global collaboration Everest has entered into with Providence? The second deal really broadens the scope of Everest's pipeline by bringing in a new modality for the company. Uh, so they launched back in 2017 to in-license innovative therapies, primarily for the Asia market, 
And their pipeline now includes small molecules and antibiotics and an antibody drug conjugate from Gilead and Immunomedics, which is one of their most advanced programs, um, now under review in China for triple negative breast cancer. So by adding an mRNA platform to the mix, as well as manufacturing capabilities that will enable them to produce these products locally, Everest is joining a small but growing body of China-based biotechs that are investing in this modality. So as we've seen, COVID has really put this modality on the map, even though mRNA vaccines and therapeutics have been in development for years now. And this has led to a huge influx of industry and investor interest in this technology globally. Um, China biotechs have been a bit slower to adopt the technology, but over the last few months, mRNA has gotten a big boost in the region through two big private rounds by Stamirna Therapeutics and Abigen Biosciences. Both of these companies have mid to late stage mRNA-based COVID vaccines in development, as well as mRNA pipelines that span immuno-oncology and other infectious diseases. Um, so Stamirna raised a 188 million venture round back in June, and Abigen raised a whopping 700 million last month. And I expect there will be more deals like this to come. A new academic study suggests that there may be an underestimated potential for safety risks with Biogen and Isai's Alzheimer's disease drug, Aduhelm. Researchers from Harvard Medical School and the University of Michigan have detailed their findings in a letter published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. They have examined Medicare claims and found that 85% of patients with mild cognitive impairment and 91% of those with early stage Alzheimer's disease would be ineligible for participation in the pivotal trials of Aduhelm. Michael, what are the authors of this study hoping to show? So basically what they were looking at is um, the, as you said, they were looking at these Medicare claims. Um, and what they found is that a huge, huge uh, proportion of patients would not fit into, they basically be excluded from the Aduhelm clinical trials. So what that suggests is that, you know, the real world use of Adyahelm likely would be, um, you know, perhaps a little bit, um, there would be perhaps more questions, more safety questions about Adyahelm in the broader population in the real world setting than there was in the in the clinical trials. And in the clinical trials, there were, you know, some some safety signals that obviously were not unexpected, you know, this ARIA-E um, and that sort of thing, microhemorrhaging in the brain. It's, it's the safety issues that have long been associated with use of these anti-amyloid uh, antibodies were, of course, seen again in the clinical trials. But the the, the point that they're making is that you know, this adiahelm is not a sugar pill. And while physicians do have, you know, a relatively good grasp, expert physicians have a, have a good grasp on, you know, the things to look for um, when you use this type of drug. When it, when it expands out and is used in a broad real world population, that may not be the case. So I think what they were really trying to do with this study um, is basically to highlight the point that Eduhelm has some safety issues that need to be, um, you know, recognized. And given the controversial data sets that basically supported the controversial approval of the drug, you know, it, it 
these need to be taken into consideration. And they felt as though, I talked to one of the researchers, uh, a clinician who, who was involved in, in the study, and he's like, well, so, you know, basically you hear a lot of talk about Addie Helm's efficacy, because obviously there's a lot of question marks about that, given the, the flaws with the pivotal trials and how they're run and stopped early and all this. So there were questions about the efficacy of the drug, and that that is in the uh, that's just talked about a lot. There's a lot of talk about the cost of the drug, because Biogen, you know, priced it at about fifty six thousand a year. Um, so there is these lot of talking points, you know, or a lot of talk about the efficacy, a lot of talk about the cost, and they felt as though there hasn't really been a lot of talk about that sort of third leg of the stool being safety. So what they really wanted to do is sort of highlight the fact that you know this needs to be part of the conversation, both in um, you know in in physicians' minds and patients' minds, and also importantly in the discussion that is set to you know take place very soon with uh, CMS and Medicare's uh, national coverage determination, the NCD, because that is going to be a very very big decision and will dictate how broadly Aduhelm will end up being used because that will cover or that will dictate, you know, how Medicare is going to reimburse for Aduhelm. And that's where, you know, the large, vast majority of patients in the U.S. are going to come from. You know, they're going to be Medicare patients. So that decision, when it comes down, I think it's expected in early, early next year, there'll be a draft decision and then a final decision three months later. When that decision first comes down, that is going to be huge. So their whole point and uh, in, in what they were really seeking to do is make sure that this question, you know, the, the topic of Aduhelm's safety is part of the discussion and is front of mind just as well, you know, just as much as the efficacy questions and cost concerns are. And so I think that's, that's basically the, the gist of it.